the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. The date was Tuesday, October 17th, 1989. The place, San Francisco, California. The weather around the Bay Area that autumn afternoon was beautiful. 85 degrees in the city, not a cloud in the sky. And at about 5 p.m. that day, everyone knew something exciting was about to happen. Game 3 of the World Series, the Battle of the Bay, the American League champion Oakland A's against the National League San Francisco Giants. From the stretch, the one-two pitch, swing, and a Messi struck him out with the breaking ball. And though our thoughts were on baseball... At the tone, Pacific Daylight Time will be 5-4, exactly. At second base, so the Oakland A's take... take I'll tell you what, we're having an earth... portion of the Bay Bridge has collapsed. The 50-foot section of the upper deck uh, falling onto the lower deck. Uh, there is no this traffic. Serious. In fact, more serious than we first thought. We have reports that the Cypress structure in Oakland is down. No count on how many are trapped. SFO is indicating that the tower at SFO is in complete shambles and the computers are all out. Good afternoon. I'm Craig Roberts. And I'm Diane Price. Since the mid-1850s, science has recognized the Bay Area as one of the most seismically active regions in the Western Hemisphere. To live in California is to live with earthquakes. The same geological forces that created our state's unsurpassed beauty, such as the stately Sierra Nevada, the wonder of Yosemite Valley, or the glistening sweep of San Francisco Bay, have also left California stitched with underground faults. The most infamous of these fault lines, the San Andreas, first received notoriety clear back in 1906. Since that time, scientists have repeatedly warned that another major quake, like the one that destroyed San Francisco in 06, was due along the San Andreas Fault once again. But unlike other natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, and the like, earthquakes come without warning. And such was the case on that fateful Tuesday afternoon of October 17, 1989. On that date, at 5.04 p.m., as Candlestick Park filled for Game 3 of the World Series, the San Andreas Fault shifted. The friction point, 11 miles beneath the Earth's surface in Santa Cruz County, caused the Pacific Plate to move five and a half feet north, while the North American Plate shifted south. The whole event lasted just 15 seconds. 
but in its wake left a 100-mile path of misery and destruction unmatched in California for over 83 years. During the next hour, we'll bring to you the sounds and the harrowing stories of the quake of 89, as captured by the KFAX microphones. It's to those whose stories we tell, stories of heroism, sacrifice, and loss, that we dedicate this program. We're here at the UC Berkeley Seismology Station where they reported the strong earthquake at exactly 5.04 p.m. They have determined that the epicenter was exactly 10 miles northeast of Santa Cruz, 20 miles south of San Jose. That it is, in fact, a 7.0 on the Richter scale. I was in Candlestick Park. We've gotten there a little early. We're uh, sitting in a box and uh, waiting for the game to start, noticing the people coming on the field, and all of a sudden it... Uh, it, it really felt like uh, being on a platform of a, of a railroad station or a subway when the train rolls by and it just began swaying very close, my wife says, very close. It uh, began jiggling. I realized fairly quickly that we were in an earthquake. And my immediate reaction was to check around the stability of the, of the, of the structure of the Just taking a look to see whether it looked like it was beginning to crack up. I noticed people in the in the portable stands uh, in the right field section. Suddenly began, several people had gotten into the aisle and were running down the aisle. I suspect that portable stand was shaking violently. But uh, then it passed, and then, of course, we started having the aftershocks. We would like you to leave in an orderly way. I don't believe there's any great danger, but we have no idea when the power is going to be on, and we have to get people out of here before it gets dark. Please leave. The game has been postponed. There'll be no baseball tonight. I was downtown in the financial district, but my fiancé was home, and he was walking down the steps, and he made it to the middle of the street and literally saw the building come down in front of him. Um, I'm just glad we're alive, but there's nothing there. Everything's gone. As the dust began to settle, it could be seen everywhere. From the war zone of the wealthy Marina District of San Francisco to the shambles of blue-collar Watsonville, the earthquake had taken its toll. We have a lot of down buildings. We're looking at three-story uh, buildings such as this one and this one here that are now one story. I have no idea how many people inside. Considering it being 5.15 at night, I would think that probably a majority of the people on their way home haven't gotten home yet, okay? Attention, this is the Sheriff's Department. Many buildings are structurally unsound and subject to falling. You are to leave the area immediately. Please do not cross the barricades that have been put up. If you're not a business owner or the holder of a media press card, you do not belong in the area. Many buildings are structurally unsound and subject to falling. You are to leave the area immediately. Within 15 seconds, the shaking had stopped. But 67 people lay dead or dying. Some 4,000 others required medical attention. The seismic waves had damaged more than 25,000 homes and apartment buildings, as well as nearly 5,000 businesses. At least 1,000 structures faced demolition. And for the time being, we waited in fear. I spoke earlier today with the director of the Tenderloin Redevelopment Project, which is a low-income housing organization in the city of San Francisco. They indicated that in the Tenderloin section of San Francisco, uh, down near the Civic Center in City Hall, about 450 people have been displaced, primarily due to, uh, again, no electricity. Many of these people, of course, are elderly or handicapped and are unable to get into the apartment buildings because of no elevator service. Prepare yourself! Prepare yourself! 
Shut off the gas. Shut off electricity. Store water in your bathtub. Don't expect services for 72 hours. Okay? Prepare yourself for nightfall. You have about one hour of light left. Prepare for aftershocks. Make sure your building is sound enough to go back inside. Loma Prieto, a look back. The 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. Our special tribute continues in a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Loma Prieta, a look back. The 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. For those who had battery-operated radios, the story of destruction began to unfold. Across the bay in Oakland, dozens died instantly, while others suffocated beneath the cascade of broken concrete that had been the cypress structure of the Nimitz Freeway. We interrupt this program for a special report. Crews and bystanders worked nonstop today trying to extricate motorists caught under tons of twisted metal and concrete that was once an elevated highway. Officials fear 200 people were killed in the collapse. Screams and the crash of metal brought bystanders to the disaster on Interstate 880. Company right across the street had some, had some extension ladders. We went over there, climbed the fence, got the ladders, flew them back over the fence, and that's how we uh, got up on top of the freeway because the fire department was not here. Uh, no one was here but us. We was coming over this over ramp right here coming off the bridge, and we just stopped. And I could, all I could say is, I don't believe it. I don't believe it, you know. And we all jumped out of our cars and said, we got to help somebody, help somebody. I saw people on the top over there trying to jump off, you know, trying to get away because um, they was told there was some cars on fire. And uh, the one guy we helped, I told him, I said, you know, you made it. And he looked at him, I said, you know, you made it. I don't think if we didn't come over that bridge and just didn't care about what's happening here, you know, a whole lot of people probably would have died up there. We have three vehicles that are up there. Two of them are totally collapsed. One vehicle, it looks like the driver and another occupant were uh, smashed by the collapse. Two young children were in the back seat. We've been trying to rescue them for the last two hours. We did get one child out about 45 minutes ago. We've been working for the last 45 minutes trying to free the other child. Um, it's, it's real total chaos right now. It's going to take days, if not weeks, just to find whatever survivors and other victims there are in there. Toiling through one of the most torturous rescues that first night, Dr. James Betts worked for more than three hours to free six-year-old Julio Baruman. His sister Kathy, found seriously injured, could be pried from the car. His mother and a family friend were not so lucky. Tuesday afternoon, about 5.04, Julio... A little six-year-old boy, Julio Baruman, and his sister Kathy, eight years old, were driving along with their mother and another passenger on the I-880 infrastructure when that terrible earthquake hit. Julio's mother was killed instantly, officials say, but little Julio was trapped inside with his sister. His sister was pulled free, but in order to get to little Julio, they had to cut through his mother, through the car, and they had doctors had to actually amputate one of his legs in the car before they were able to pull him out. Well, right now, Julio Baruman and his sister Kathy are in 
fair condition at Children's Hospital in Oakland. And as you say, we have been following this story. We have gotten calls literally from all across the United States, radio stations wanting to know how Julio and his sister are doing, wanting to send some type of help. Meanwhile, the Bay Bridge, vital traffic link between San Francisco and Oakland, carrying some 300,000 cars daily, lost 50 feet of its upper deck. Visualize the bridge caving in and it kept coming closer and closer to me but still I knew all I could do was run and all I could depend on was my legs so I just kept running and everybody else kept running. I died back on the bridge. I don't know what I'm going to do. I figure at some point something's going to happen where I'll have a chance to do good and I'll say this is what this was all about. This is why I'm still here. There was a lot of us that didn't feel the earthquake. That we didn't even know what happened. There was a lot there. The only thing was that when the people that were very, very in front, they kept coming back and hitting the cars. Get out, get out. There's been, the bridge has collapsed. There's an earthquake. So that's when we started to get out. But a lot of people didn't realize that. And to the south, nearest the epicenter of the quake, the serenity of Santa Cruz that has attracted thousands had been broken. In the heart of town, piles of rubble and teetering walls wrote an epitaph for the Pacific Garden Mall, once the heart of city commerce and pride. Glenn, we've just received word of major damage taking place down south in Santa Cruz County. In the city of Santa Cruz, Ford's department store, the second floor of the building collapsing onto the first floor, trapping shoppers and causing havoc. The Pacific Garden Mall, a major attraction not only for tourists, but also a major shopping hub for local residents, suffering extreme damage, quite a number of brick buildings collapsing in on themselves, hundreds of people trapped, extensive amounts of injuries. Police and fire departments have cordoned off the area, and rescue attempts are underway right now. We'll give you an update just as soon as further word comes into our newsroom. By looking at the, the damage and the fire and all the destruction in the area, uh, it's just amazing that there wasn't more loss of life. Turning again northward, a huge column of smoke rose above the marina district. It was a grim reminder of 1906. Surveying the damage by helicopter, the mayor returns with his report. Well, the city seems in reasonably good shape. Uh, the lights are out in most of the city, although the emergency light seems to be on in those areas like hospitals and those kinds of facilities. The, the, the most serious problem we can see from the air is a tremendous traffic jam, uh, mainly in those areas trying to leave the city. We have no reports of any disorder at this time. Everybody is are being good citizens, which is uh, something we would expect to see. What is there in the marina? Is all right? The, the fire in the marina is under control. It's dying down right now. The biggest problem I could see from the air, as I said, is a tremendous traffic problems. Our fire stations are up and running. We've just put out a major fire. There are no others in the city. So things are under control. And by nightfall, most of the city had been plunged into darkness. It's an eerie sight to behold. The city bathed in darkness like a huge sleeping giant. The streets through most of the city lie still. The silence broken only by an occasional passing police car watching for looters or fire trucks on patrol checking for gas leaks. Although the most dramatic damage seems limited to the Marina District and 6th and Townsend, signs of today's tremor can be seen everywhere. Cornices torn from buildings, bricks strewn on sidewalks south of Market Street, families camping outside for tonight, afraid of more aftershocks. And in the distance, the glow of emergency spotlights for the search for possible victims continues. From San Francisco, Craig Roberts, 
KFAX. With the collapse of the Cypress structure portion of the Nimitz Freeway, the failure of the Bay Bridge, and other thoroughfares in question, the Bay Area faced its worst traffic jam ever. Gate Bridge and also the Richmond and Dumbarton Bridge. The Bay Bridge, as you know if from seeing news reports, has been closed and will be closed for uh, several weeks to come, probably. The San Mateo Bridge has suffered some damage. It was open for a while this morning. This afternoon, they did close it down uh, to send some trucks out there to see what damage was sustained. Last reports we had about half an hour ago, the San Mateo Bridge had been reopened. That's the latest word we have right now, Michael. Loma Prieta, a look back. A KFAX special report continues after this. Loma Prieta, a look back. The 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. Our special tribute continues in a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Loma Prieta, a look back, the 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. As dawn broke on the bay, we breathed a collective sigh of relief and realized, for the most part, we had survived. And the grim story of the toll the quake would have on the bay area was beginning to unfold. What's going on right now is there... Uh assessing the uh, damage to all the bridges and all the roads. Uh, they're checking all the structures that have been damaged and uh, making sure that the people can, that uh, want to get back into their homes can get back into their homes. and They're not going to be allowed back in until they're checked. Uh, there's, of course, there's work still going on on the uh, 880 collapse, uh, trying to, uh, you know, get the rest of the vehicles in uh, people out of there that were crushed underneath the bridge. And uh, there's work being done on the Bay Bridge, uh, but it's going to be a good probably three weeks at minimum before the Bay Bridge is even operational again. That is Dan Boom with the Office of Emergency Services in Sacramento. And Dan says at this hour, the OES estimates the damage to the Bay Area at $2.8 billion, and that number is bound to uh, keep rising in the next few days. Water, which had become so scarce in drought-stricken California, became still more precious. The water situation isn't that bad. However, the marina section of San Francisco sustained quite heavy damage, and as a result of broken water mains, uh, they ended up having to pump water out of the bay to help fight the fire that uh, essentially wiped out about three square city blocks uh, of the marina district. Janine? The epicenter was about 10 miles northeast of Santa Cruz. The Santa Cruz area and Los Gatos area are under water rationing right now. They um, are advising residents to boil their water if possible for an average of three to five minutes and let that cool and use that as drinking water or drinking water in their water heaters. Um, they do not have a whole lot of water supply down there on hand right now. Um, different companies are bringing in bottled water as um, soon as possible. So the water situation near the epicenter is not good at this time. Electrical power, so urgently needed to assist in rescue efforts, was still off. And before it was over, much of San Francisco would spend several nights under a blanket of darkness. Well, after I left the studio here last night, I made my way up to the, the uh, San Francisco area. Uh, normally, 
no matter what the day or time of night, uh, the freeway always has dozens of cars on it. Uh, the approach into San Francisco, I was the only car heading up into the city. As of this hour, uh, still approximately three-quarters of the city of San Francisco has no electricity. Uh, that, in part, is due to the uh, damage sustained by two major power stations. And in addition to that, of course, many of the older homes in San Francisco have the old gas pipes back in the days when they used gas for light. And uh, quite frankly, PG&E, the Pacific Gas and Electric Company, is fearful of the possibility of explosions if they turn the electric on right away and of course the building inspection department is just really overwhelmed in trying to investigate each building one by one to determine the kind of damage they may have sustained uh, to their both electrical and gas systems in terms of the the atmosphere in this city you know times previous we've had earthquakes and it's almost been kind of a carnival feeling this we find to be very sullen very quiet there has been some looting taking place in downtown San Francisco particularly last night with all the electricity out uh, again almost three-quarters of the city of San Francisco even as we speak uh, almost 24 hours after the fact still without any electricity in the first days following the quake most of Northern California's energy would focus on those still trapped in the rubble we had one of our um, staff members, Rosa Kelman, down there just um, just hours ago, and she said that it looks like a pancake. They are rescue crews are trying to get the bodies out of there right now. Early estimates revealed they thought maybe uh, close to 200 people were trapped under there. That is on an estimate count of 150 to 200 cars with an average of one person per car. So figures have been fluctuating all day long. What they were afraid to do during the dark hours last night was to have emergency crews out on that structure trying to pull um, bodies out of there. They were afraid of any aftershocks causing further damage. So there are rescue crews out there at this time. They are still trying to figure out what's the best way of uh, proceeding at this time. They don't expect to find anybody alive. Though medical services and hospitals were taxed, helping the injured remained a priority. The hospitals have reacted very well. There was one that did uh, suffer some damage uh, to a boiler earlier on uh, in the earthquake uh, emergency yesterday. They had to shut down the emergency room. I understand that has been reopened now. Uh, of course, the hospitals are asking people with uh, uh, normal checkup appointments not to come in today so that they can reserve uh, very needed space for any emergency cases. But uh, right now, in terms of uh, mer emergency medical services, uh, everything is functioning quite well. Transportation needs in the Bay Area had been a growing concern for years. Now, even more so, with the serious toll the quake took on our freeways, the Bay Area transit system rose to the task and performed valiantly. There was one BART train in the tube at that time. They did get the people out safely. BART has been running on a limited schedule. As of this morning, they were still checking the tracks. BART was running from the Concord line through San Francisco, but not stopping in the downtown San Francisco stations of Montgomery Civic Center, 16th and 24th streets because of electricity in those BART stations. And according to what I heard earlier on today, the actual architect for the BART tube indicated that, of course, the, the tube had been designed to sustain an earthquake of 8.5 or higher, and uh, it fared very well, and they're quite pleased with, uh, with the outcome. As time passed, the picture of financial loss that the Bay Area would suffer became clearer. $29 million is the uh, damage assessment at that time of yesterday. And we have uh, commercial buildings. We have 13 destroyed and open, 234 million. We have 200, 200 damaged open. 
The governor would pay a visit to San Francisco to survey the damage. Well, from the very beginning, all of the uh, governmental agencies have been working very cooperatively together, and they have met the uh, needs, the immediate emergency response needs. And uh, we are just delighted that the uh, president not only had sent Secretary of Transportation Samuel Skinner out here earlier in the week, but now that he has, the president has come here himself today, and on behalf of all of the people in California, on behalf of all of the local government officials, as well as the people who have been working uh, night and day to be of assistance, uh, we want to express our deep appreciation to you, Mr. President, for coming out here to take a first-hand look and for your pledge of uh, all-out support uh, by the federal agencies as we go forward now and try to get uh, people's lives back to some, some uh, semblance of normalcy. With damage estimates rising, it became clear that California would need help if it were to recover from the devastating loss. The President of the United States would be called upon for federal assistance. Well, I'd be glad to take some questions, but I would simply repeat that this matter is uh, of national concern. I want to be sure to properly salute the volunteer, those volunteer agencies and those individuals that are giving of themselves just because they care. They love somebody. Uh, and that made an impression on me today, seeing those Red Cross workers. The last stop, there were five paid Red Cross workers, and I think they said a thousand volunteers, or maybe it was a hundred, but in any event, just many-fold people working and helping out. The most touching moment, I was asked about that last stop, when this doctor, this marvelously heroic doctor and his associate, told me of pulling a kid out, having to amputate his leg to get him out of this crushed car, and then I had the opportunity to talk to the dad, uh, who was at the bedside of this six-year-old boy, and uh, I had a chance to tell him that American people were rooting for him, to tell his dad that uh, we all care. There's a thousand of those kinds of incidents, I'm sure, that I'm not even aware of, but uh, it's been a very moving day, and we do want to help you. Loma Prieta, a look back. The 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. Our special tribute continues in a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Loma Prieta, a look back. The 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. By nightfall Friday, we had all become weary. So much loss, such extensive damage to Bay Area property, and little hope of finding any more survivors. The death toll had reached 65. But in spite of what common sense said, rescue workers toiled on, and early Saturday morning, the miracle we had all hoped for would happen. For nearly four days following the quake, rescue workers had searched the Cypress Structure Freeway in the macabre task of removing victims. But early Saturday morning, weary searchers got a jolt of adrenaline when someone saw a sign of movement in the rubble. The discovery, shortly after three in the morning, turned out to be a miracle of human strength. 
57-year-old Buckhelm had survived being buried alive for nearly 90 hours in the wreckage of his compact car. This is Dr. Arnold again on Saturday Morning Live, and we're going to take a quick break right now from our normal program because we have a remarkable report from Craig Roberts. Hello, Craig. Yes, hi, Sonny. Hi, how are you doing? We're doing pretty good. I hear uh, you have some remarkable news. We have got some good news indeed. At approximately 3.08 this morning, there was a report from a Caltrans rescue worker that indicated a possibility of finding a survivor in the Cypress structure on the Nimitz in Oakland. That's amazing. We have just received positive confirmation that indeed a survivor has been found. We have no idea how many people or the kind of condition that the individual or individuals are in, but at 28th and Cyprus, Caltrans has just confirmed the discovery of a survivor in the Nimitz Cyprus superstructure. And uh, as some of our listeners may be aware, late last night, a rescue work on the, uh, the structure was stopped because they discovered the structure began to sway, and of course they were fearful for the lives of those involved in the rescue attempt. However, early this morning they resumed work on the, uh, the structure, and again, at approximately 3.08 this morning, they discovered the possibility of a survivor that has now been confirmed, again, uh, in terms of the number or uh, condition of the individual or individuals. We're not sure of that yet. However, Caltrans is working right now to try and rescue the individual. We'll keep you updated as further information comes in. Reporting from Foster City, Craig Roberts for KFAX. Following their early morning discovery, rescue teams worked frantically to free the remaining survivor of the concrete death trap called Cyprus. Uh, hello, Craig. Yes, uh, good morning, Sonny. We'd like to confirm the news bulletin we just received moments ago regarding the possible discovery of a survivor in the I-880 uh, Cypress structure. That has been confirmed by Caltrans. It is a white male. We have no age on him. However, he has been discovered in stable condition, located at 28 in Cyprus. He was driving a silver Chevy Chevette. This was a vehicle that had not been discovered before. Apparently, late last night, Caltrans, in an effort to determine the strength of some of these support columns, attached a cable around one column and pulled on it. In doing so, that moved some things up above and opened up a hole where this Chevy Chevette was located at. So once again, we have positive confirmation of a survivor at 28 and Cyprus on the I-880 superstructure. He is a white male in stable condition and is on his way right now to Highland Hospital in Oakland. If we get any more further information, we'll keep you updated. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you, Craig. That's fantastic news. By noon, the story of Buckhelm had enveloped a nation. INS News, Bill Quast reporting. A dramatic rescue in Oakland, California, where another survivor has been found in the freeway that was collapsed by an earthquake on Tuesday. We go to reporter Bob Brill. After 89 hours, police officials say they have pulled a man still alive out of the Cypress structure in the Oakland area where that giant freeway collapsed. They pancaked all those cars and everybody uh, was, most of those people were killed. They have pulled out a 57-year-old man, tentative ID. His name is Buck Helms. He's driving a silver Chevy Sprint and uh, they found him at the 28th Street area. Brill says Mr. Helms, who was reported by the Oakland mayor as waving his arm when he was removed from the freeway, has been taken to the hospital where he is listed in stable condition. 
and he has been transported to Highland Hospital. They, the police officials, police officials say he is alive and has a steady pulse. They are saying he is in stable condition. Uh, they say Mr. Helms was semi-conscious. There was no verbal discussion, no talking, but Mayor Lionel Wilson of Oakland said he, he was up there at the time, and he said the man was waving his right arm. He said he was waving the one arm. Rescue work had been suspended last night because of heavy winds that caused the concrete to shift. Through it all, the tales of heroism by those who selflessly risked their lives to save others would touch us all. Lori Davis, you were one of the first paramedics on the scene following the 5.04 p.m. earthquake on October the 17th, 1989. And the one picture that I think remi remains in many of the minds of not only Northern Californians, but even people across the United States that saw those dramatic pictures of the collapse of the Cypress structure over a mile and a half with a double-deck freeway collapsed and, and uh, dozens and dozens of people injured and still more killed. That must have been an overwhelming experience to arrive on the scene and to see that firsthand. It was very overwhelming. When I first arrived, there were two police officers on the scene with myself. And I looked up, and it took about three seconds for my mind to really comprehend what I was seeing. When it did kick in it was it was horribly overwhelming i uh asked for help and i was told that it would be a while before help would be coming to me and uh, at that point i felt very much alone and it was uh i had to get out of my ambulance or get out of my van i had the supervisor's van at the time and as i got out i had about 40 people run to me saying help me help me and uh being the only medical person on the scene there, it was very difficult. And I started sitting people down and told them to stay there, that help would be coming soon. And that's when I started looking in the area for any survivors that were there. How do you make a decision when you see... I, it would seem that most people would look at a situation like that and would, would, would just go into overload because there are so many needs taking place simultaneously. I understand that screams could be heard coming out from between the double-decked freeway above. You know, that's, um, that's something that's funny because when I got out of my van, I remember having to yell, but I don't remember hearing anything. And there was dust and smoke. But um, I think that was my body's <laughs> reaction to it is I kind of shut out the screaming and I was able to focus on what I had to do instead of focusing on, on everything that was, that was going around as far as the noise. Now, within hours after the, the collapse of the freeway following the 5.04 p.m. earthquake, uh, there was a, a tremendous rescue effort that took place. How much time did you spend there actually on the scene? I was there from about 5.07 until sometime Wednesday afternoon. And wow. uh, that's when I first got out of there. Offhand, do you recall how many people were actually trapped up there in the structure? That's hard to determine because there were a lot. We transported 112 people between 5.07 and midnight. Between midnight and 4, we transported three more. Thursday night, we transported a PG&E, or not a PG&E, I'm sorry, a Caltrans worker that had driven off the end of the structure. And then Saturday morning, we, we transported Mr. Helms. Rescue workers like yourself 
as you mentioned, have put in a great number of hours um, under very dangerous conditions. Uh, even a minor healthy aftershock could have brought the entire structure down. I mean, there was constantly that possibility right. there. And yet all of you just continued to work and continued to work right through Saturday morning. And, yes. and the, the miracle of finding someone still alive in Buckhelm. That was a miracle. Um, the thing with, with most of us is it became something personal. I know when I left Wednesday, I felt the urge that I had to get back. I had something that had not been completed. And uh, I wasn't going to be satisfied until I got back and felt that, I, that my purpose there was finished. Loma Prieta, a look back. A KFAX special report continues after this. Loma Prieta, a look back. The 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. Our special tribute continues in a moment. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 